do it live. Shane Bukoko knives. Do it live. Let's do it live. You are listening to the SE Rat Pack Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Adams, along with Patrick Rollins. And today we are uh, are uh, going to rehash or, or get the, uh, I guess, the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say, on our buddies that went on a caribou hunt. So, guys, y'all go around and just introduce yourselves real quick. So, uh, if you haven't listened to episode one, or the first episode of this, it was, I believe, episode 23. So, we got one in between that just went live. So, go ahead. Start with Jason. Yeah, Jason Fennell, uh, Chattanooga Concrete, formerly Veritas Jiu-Jitsu, amongst other things. Rest in peace, Veritas. It's no longer here. (laughs) Josh? Josh Braun from uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Christian Jones, a friend of SE Knives. Kind of. (laughs) <laughs> kind of <laughs> stray. Shane, your voice is so soothing on that. You like that? And some of that's a music too, I think. But you got that dial. That's like down. That's just my voice. I like it. It's just, it just sounds better. Uh, so uh, you guys just came back from uh, from the Arctic Circle doing a caribou hunt, and uh, we're going to. Uh, I'm just kind of let you guys take the reins here. We we almost started an argument because apparently Jason evidently cut everybody in the uh, that's in, not in the true. camp in the hunting party that did not happen like that at all happens. his well, knife so like what really, everybody uh, uh, my knife did that's correct <laughs> that's correct my person and the, the physical movements for me did not so but i think what what would be a better place to start would be like the beginning of the trip so my wife drops us off at the airport we're we're doing like the thousand yard shuffle trying to get all of the bags i mean what how many check bags do we have uh, three, four, seven. Piece. Yeah. yeah seven ton, ton, on yeah. the way out. I think it was 12 on the way back. But so we get to the, the front, we're checking in. I'm almost done. Josh and I are booked on the same ticket. Christian came in into the game late. We're about to be done with our check-in. Christian's about to step up to the plate and he goes, Oh no. <laughs> well, I opened my gun box. All my ammo was gone. <laughs> I left it in a uh, in the truck with Natalie. So, so we had a two hour discussion in podcast one about, Oh, which firearms we're going to bring and how important all these things are. And like all this debate as to which caliber and everything else. One of the more important things of that discussion we didn't discuss was that if you leave your ammo in the car, when you arrive to Alaska, that gun's not going to be too helpful. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we fixed it. She came back. She had to do the circle, like the dance in 20 minutes. It wasn't a big deal. That was, it was a huge deal. It was a massive problem. Yeah. It, was, it was very bad. Well, you're starting off on the right foot. Yeah. <laughs> Left all my ammo in an ammo box in the back seat. So, so there was some discussion uh, as to um, you guys are in bear country, and we're going to get to some of that more. Big but, time. But we can, uh, there was some discussion about uh, what firearms you're going to be taking. Uh, you got that covered in your notes. You want to go ahead and hit that now? Um, I don't, you know. So like what we actually ended up with, I yeah. think we, did we get to that on the, on the first podcast? I don't know that we did. No, we no. didn't. Let's just, you start and you go first. Uh, I carried a SCAR 17 and a Glock 19X and they were loaded. The SCAR was just military ball, FMJ 7.62. And then the Glock 19 was uh Buffalo bore. Buffalo bore. Outdoorsman yeah, yeah. 9mm. Yeah, plus B. My thought process behind that was like, I can hit with those things. So that's what I want to have rather mm-hmm. than like a field artillery piece that I might miss with, you know, a big yeah. whatever. So that was my thought. And it, it, cause you initially talked about the 4570 <clears throat> and I think you did some reps with that. I did some shooting with it and I, I like lever guns, but I, I wasn't comfortable with it. So I left it out. 
I took something I'm used to. Yeah, no, in the words of like old school motocross, you got to run what you brung. Run what you brung. Yeah, yeah. And I've I've seen you shoot the fire out of a 19x numerous mm. times, so I I was not upset with that decision at all. I think we were all happy that the semi-auto 308 was there. Oh my in, god! In case yes. we needed it. Yes, so. numerous. And we were actually happy. Yeah, we'll get it's to comforting. that later. But very it was comforting. very comforting. Yeah. And, and, but I think it's important too to note, like you didn't just bring one mag; it was four mags. Eight Correct. Rounds. Yeah, I had, I had four loaded magazines on you know on my person. Loaded, loaded. Yeah, fully. They, they, yeah, they were. Well, the reason I left the ammo was because I had to take the ammo out of my magazines and put it into factory boxes to fly with it. So it was kind of like a dance, you know. But, yeah, that, I think that's worth kind of talking about too because I've flown with firearm a bunch, and I'm sure everybody at this table has mm-hmm. too. But like, I, what I find really interesting is that each airline has their own specific guidelines Different rules. and dependent upon which airport you're at their interpretation, even internally is different. Yes. Yeah, so absolutely. like right out of the gate in Atlanta, we were flying Alaskan airlines. They told us for every firearm in the box, you had to have a separate unique declaration form in that box that it's unloaded. Even, even though on the form, it literally says this firearm, multiple firearms, mm-hmm. They didn't care. They said one for every firearm in the box. Yeah. Um, and then of course we immediately had to carry it to like TSA oversized, all that kind of stuff. And yep. they did the exam there. But then on the way back flying out of Kotzebue, Alaska, I, I think they're just they used care. to it more comfortable. Yeah. They were like one per, so per piece with ammo. You guys checked in with one gate agent. I checked in with another. I only had to do one. So oh, really? it, yeah, there mm-hmm. was no talk of two. It was one form every time. So it's, it's probably not even just different airlines and airport. It's different. The person, it yeah. has, it has nothing to do with the airline and everything to do with the person that's standing in front Correct. of you is my experience. And so something else that I think has changed recently, maybe in the last year is previously like on your, whatever, it, you know, it has to be in hard case firearm does, whether it's pistol rifle, whatever. Um, and it has to be locked. In the past, they wanted you to use like the airline safety locks, like the TSA, TSA approved lock. That's right. And this time, which thank goodness, Josh or somebody Josh picked up on this up. before, because in the past I've never used those. I've always used the TSA ones. We had to. They literally asked, like, "Hey, these are not TSA locks, right? Like, only you can get into this." Had to say, "Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It do not want sense. you to use the TSA. They don't, they it does. It yeah. does make sense. They don't want anybody. To I always your, thought your that was case. good. Yeah. Why should somebody? Why should some TSA agent be getting into my like firearm box? Like, I don't know no what that person's going to do or not yeah. do. And I'm doing right? air quotes with the term locks when it comes to the TSA stuff. I oh, mean, you can yeah. break up those things open with a ballpoint pen. Pen. That's right. right. They're not." Mm-hmm. Very secure, especially if you've gone to that SE lock picking class. Shout there out. is no, there is no lock picking class. Is that is that not, is that unofficial? Is we, that off we, the? We had it just move on. covered it's like off. an intro curve. <laughs> we, we, okay. we, we took a we took a class for ourselves. Secret squirrel. I yeah, you. yeah. How about that? How about that? No, but I thought I thought that was. I think that's something you know to note for folks considering doing this in the future. Really make sure you're like dialed up on like what your specific airline is. It would probably be a good idea to print the policy of the airline out so you have it in hand in hand mm-hmm. so you can then reference it uh, to the so, I, I had i had i've flown with a firearm a couple of different times yeah had no issues two times and then another time i thought i was going to lose a gun and same airline same exact policy just different people i mean i can tell you like delta is typically like what i fly and like you're like for alaska airlines and then who do we fly last time it was 
USA or um, American Airlines? Was it? Uh, anyway, those other outside of Delta, every place that I've flown with it, you you have to have your rounds in a separate like box, mm-hmm. hard box. So that's the original yeah. ammo container. Whereas Delta, load the mags up. As long as the mag is not in the firearm, you're good to go. See, that's what got me because I had my mags loaded. And I actually had to ask, he had to bring me some 308 hunting round, just empty boxes because mine are all Lake City, Radway Green, like loose in an yeah. ammo can. And so I had to then take shells and put them in and then right. package them like they were factory. I mean, just because that's their policy. Right. Which is, if they're loose, they won't let you fly. I've had issues with a loaded mag at Delta. Oh, really? I lost rounds. No joke. Made you take yep. them out the I've never had that yep. problem. They made me, made, made me do it. Yeah. Made I, me do yeah. it. You know, it's probably a good, like, standard operating procedure just to carry the ammo, like, an ammo case and, and put it in there because, like, this is picky stuff. But, like, I've, I've noticed, like, if I just carry my mags loaded, I get there and then I'm one down. And that just yeah. subconsciously, I don't like that. Like, mm. it bothers me a little right. bit that I'm right. one down. Anyway. Right. All right. What about you, Josh? What, uh, what did you end up bringing again? Uh, I brought the, Mesa Elite 6.5 PRC. Killer. Which right. is a, a new one for me. But, suppressed uh, too, right? Suppressed, yeah. What does that thing weigh? Do you have any idea? Light. It is uh, so like light. Four and a half pounds. I mean, with like a that. scope and a yeah. can on it, it was lighter than my Stupid. Scar 17 with a red dot. Stupid light. We had it dialed in beforehand too, didn't we? we oh, went, yeah. We shot with Chip yep. Whitworth. He's a friend of the podcast, I'm mm-hmm. sure. He yep. listened. One of our four listeners. Four yeah. Listeners. <laughs> and then on Swell Fella. On the side, I, I carried the, uh, since it was number one on the hunting forums, I carried the Ruger 44 Alaskan. That's right. It's got it in the name, Alaskan. <laughs> yeah, and I, I ran, um, I was trying to redeem my Tika, um, I think it's a T3X Lite. I think that's it. And it was a seven millimeter rim mag. Um, I swapped the scope out because I, I had a bad experience, experience with uh was it night force night force scope yeah. yeah with the turrets yeah coming and, undone or something yeah, yeah. literally cost like, you a trip it cost me a whole trip and so i ran the tico with a loophole this time and then ran uh 10 millimeter you weren't going to carry it too you were going to bring something else and i was like dude that's the the gun's fault the gun's good yeah, yeah. and you, you you had it dialed in and then you're like i'm i'm comfortable it's, it's and good. then it was like i need to redeem it yep. you know it's like okay, can't just can, sit here un right like that can't be the last when i literally like when when i was i kind of won't get there, but I, I I had the thought danced across my mind like, hey, I'd love to be able to give this gun to my, one of my sons one day. Sure, be like, oh, dad killed a caribou in Alaska with this thing. Yeah. Whereas if I, not dad missed forty shots like, and then threw it in the woods. Yeah, <laughs> well, and Josh's gun was like so much cooler. I'm like out there <laughs> looking at him like, oh, the stock's carbon fiber, and we've got this sick suppressor, and like I was, I still almost like folded on that. Yeah, that kid pool got me at the end. Hey, of the I, I, you're welcome, Jensen. Yeah. I, th- I think I technically was able to. Did oh, I? Yeah. I drew first blood with that rifle. You did, like yeah, yeah. antler yeah. blood. Antler we'll blood. get to that. <laughs> yeah, that's for later. But that's still, that's later. that's that was pretty pretty sweet. Well, cool. Let's dive into it. What you got on your? Uh, I know you got this stuff out. I, mean, I, I literally have some of this stuff broken out by day. But I think you know one good place might be to start. Like, obviously, big trip. We had like thirty hours of like flight and layover, and we mm-hmm. get there, and I think probably the most. The place that makes the most sense to start would be like Kotzebue yep. and just like initial impressions. As soon as we hit, I'm going to tell, I'm going to like start it right off. Like it was not what I expected. Like that right. town, I'd looked it up. Like I'd watched YouTube videos and yeah. stuff, but I, other I was, hunters, 
yeah, yeah. other hunters there's not a lot like you can dig <sighs> right. in on yelp and find a few pictures of a pizza or something here and there three or four little joints that have you know yeah pizza and chips i think we landed what about 3 p.m something like that yeah and then um the transporter like the folks that flew us out there um they were supposed to meet us at the airport and had a little hiccup but yeah. finally got a hold of they got there shortly they came to yeah they came to get us and First took us up <laughs> it took us straight to the hotel and so we were probably in the hotel by four o'clock it was a the hotel was an event in and of itself yep um, it is the hotel there's it is like, only a hotel there that's not you know. there's a bed and breakfast okay I but didn't it's know that. I, it, it's tiny and i don't think it's set up with like all the things that you really kind of need in terms of they have a massive walk-in freezer for you so like when you get back you can store your meat there before you fly home um no guns in the room that yeah no good this is the one that freaked me out like we're checking in and we're carrying all these bags up and um guns and all that kind of stuff and they make you sign something right there that says hey no guns in the room and if we catch you with alcohol in the room it's i want to say it was 350 dollars fine 250 350 something something like that that. any alcohol any weed any any substance at all nothing and i'm thinking like no booze um, nothing i asked lady i'm like is is this for me like I have to sign this because, like, I'm a grown man, and yeah. it's America still. Hotel. Yeah, this America. is a hotel, and I'm paying you to be here. It's kind of like my castle, but it was not my castle. No. Different rules castle. up there. It, everything was different. Different rules. Everything was different. Barely in America. It, yeah, I mean, it, it barely in America is the only way I know how to put it. Yeah, we. So I think we got checked into our room. They made us sign all that stuff, and not only did they make me sign it. They wanted every person in that. We all had to sign. Yeah. And later, after talking to more like hunters there, they're like, hey, yeah, if you have stuff, if you have alcohol, be sure it's not in your trash because they go through your trash. No way. Yeah. If they see a booze bottle in your trash, you're getting, you're that, getting fine. that fine. The credit card's getting tabbed. Getting so. tagged. Yeah. I was just, it was, a, it was a weird place to be to be like a grown man who's used to being able to make decisions for himself about what he is going to do yep. or not do or drink or not drink and then have hotel tech and the same thing with the firearms you know that really like caught me off guard because it's like hey did they lock your firearms up yes in the same firearms. room as the uh they had a walk-in a special walk-in freezer and uh the firearms room where you, they have you walking back there you know it's you know what's what but yeah it's nothing and, in the room so and like and no no you're good like in theory like if i'd been paying more attention to that we would have pulled our pistols before, like, cause right. I don't really care if they hold my rifles, like whatever. I mean, I do. That's weird. Yeah. Cause it's America and Alaska is like really pro to a place. And I'm just, like we said, it was a different place. It felt like it was barely yeah. America. So they had all of our stuff, including our pistols. And now geographically you can't get to Kotzebue except by plane, right? It's basically an it's island. One commercial airline, Alaska air goes there. They, what do they do twice a day? They, they run to Anchorage and Nome. They stop in Nome, Alaska and that's it. It's basically treated like a Greyhound bus station yeah. for any of the natives, locals there. And then hunters, you've got two people in this whole place. You've got dudes <laughs> dressed in like $800 worth of camo and then dudes More with, like than a, that. with like a, yeah, $1,800 worth of camo. <laughs> and then you got dudes with like a ripped up t-shirt and dirty baseball cap. There's no in between. Yeah. That's it. it was, you're on the, you're on, you're basically on the Indian reservation. That's exactly how it felt yeah. like if you've been out West that's how it seems it feels but it's just up north that's probably where some of the uh alcohol stuff comes alcohol stuff yeah. comes in yeah so like fast forward we won't go too too 
much into this, but like we get back and on the kind of the bus ride back from um, the transportation service back to the hotel, they took us back to the hotel. Um, I asked the girl driving us or lady driving us. I said, Hey, we're, is there a place we can go get like a decent beer, like a, just a craft beer or something like that? She goes, Oh no. Like, do you have an alcohol license? We're like, no, we don't have an alcohol What's license. An al- you What's, know? An alcohol? What's an alcohol? And so she basically walks us through like, Hey, yeah, it's not impossible, but you have to go fill out this paperwork and they do a background check on you at the police. Station. At the, it's at the liquor store is the only place that sells beer. It's literally located inside the police station. So you walk into the police station building. The door on the left is the police station. The door on the right is the is the liquor store. Liquor store. And then you can fill out paperwork, have Seems a background like check. A conflict of interest. <laughs> oh my lord! Well, I think that I think they're like, hey, we want proximity to all this. If you need your alcohol fixed and you've got a problem, we want you to have to come to us to get it. Type thing. I mean, in, in one sense, it makes some sense, you know. So. Yeah, I guess so. But it was, I, you know. And her comment, we were like, this is crazy. And her comment was like, yeah, because uh, um, we found out the marijuana place was not like that. Anybody could walk in. You know, I'm sure you had to be of whatever age, 18, 18 21, but whatever But you could it is. buy anything you want. Yeah. yeah just as much of it. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, we were like, that, isn't that a little odd that you got it? And she was like, well, people aren't getting high and beating their kids is, was her quote. Yeah. That's what she told us. So, yeah. Right. I don't must I don't be live there. I'm not from there. I don't definitely. I don't, I don't want to make any assumptions, but just the, crushing just, some Doritos and pizza. And there were there were other stipulations on that too. So in addition to the background check, having your beer purchasing license, you can only do it between the hours of ten and three, and you can only get a six pack. Yeah, six and, pack a day and a fifth of yeah. hard hard liquor. I believe is yeah. what they said. The limit for the day. Yeah, so we left all of our beer cans a couple rooms down from our hotel room. That yeah. way, they'd get the fine, not us. It's, it's, it's a gangster move by us. Instead, uh, so like the juxtaposition of this, like you know, we're about to go into the back country. No, nobody there, just us. Like all this freedom, this wild, you know, to basically like some Orwellian type, very like, governed. Yeah, I mean, it was just like, hey, this is Alaska. This is supposed to be like the last frontier. This is free. This is. And it just—I was blown away. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I was we took a walk, away. right? We got in, yeah, got our stuff up to the room, and I think Josh was ready to take a rest. Or we'd be traveling like a day and a half, so we, Jason and I, decided to go for a walk just to get some fresh air and just look around. And so we walked <laughs> what fifty yards out of the hotel to the the break. Yeah, the, the ocean. The, the we were ocean. Like literally on the ocean. The Kotzebue sign. If you Google it, you'll see it. There's only thing worth looking at in the whole city yep. is the sign. And uh, do you want to, that's where we Well, yeah. At. So a couple of things just like happenstance. We step out the door and we just, we happen to be like some of the only people there, not in camo. Just happenstance. We weren't in camo that night. Right. Correct? Nope. I was wearing a hoodie. You were wearing I was wearing a black clothes. hoodie. Yeah. I mean, like we just look like normal people. Later, we found that that was probably to our benefit. Um, but we go 50 yards across the street, like Christian says, and we're looking out in the ocean and there's like all these seals out there yep. and they're just Christian. And I sat there for, I don't know, maybe half an hour yeah, just watching them, watching them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you got some videos in Chattanooga. I don't see very many seals. Yeah. Dude yeah. did have some videos. Water was super still. It was yeah. like not moving. It was gray. It was weird though. It was very gray. Very gray. It was, it was kind of, you know, I don't know. It, it was it was interesting, like melancholy. Yeah, It'd be yeah. the color that it, it kind of made that. your mood just like it's weird. It's it really weird. Didn't, didn't feel great. 
It wasn't like looking at the ocean like normal, yeah. Yeah, not at all. And it was overcast, and it was like maybe Mm -hmm. like some slight drizzle. Um, Cold. It was cold. It was like 50 degrees, like 48, something like that. And there were these two little girls standing there, and they looked like they were from Kotzebue. They looked like they were native. Yeah, Eskimos. And um, and so like I, I look and I'm like, hey, do you guys know like what kind of seals these are? Just making conversation. Just, yeah, you know, just walking around. Yeah, I right. was curious. Like, I, right, right. I, I was literally trying to uh, figure take out. a video and send to my nine year old. Like, hey, look at these seals. These are such and such seals. But the internet didn't work. Like, right. not only the internet not work. I think. At that point, my phone was the only phone that would make a phone call. Yeah, you had AT and T, and that's like only that was works it. up there. You couldn't send like a text message, video message, no, no, we nothing. Which I just, I still don't really understand all that. But um, and so we asked those two little girls, we were like, "Hey, do you know what kind of seals these are?" And it was we were like immediately met with like, "No, we don't know what kind of seals they are." Like yeah. it was, it was very much like a "Hey, you're not welcome here" yeah, it's yeah. Like response <laughs> right, right away, and. Yeah. I, I don't re- they said something else. So, I don't know. Yeah, who knows? But it was just like very like, you know, harsh. Who are you? Go away. You know, I have nothing to oh, say. Oh, sh- they said we we don't hunt them. We're not allowed to hunt them. Yeah, something like we that. We don't hunt them yet, I think is what she said. And it was like, mm, okay, I'm not gonna talk to you anymore. This is yeah. not like some stranger danger thing. We're just all standing here watching the seals and yeah. just wondering if you happen to know if they were leopard seals or whatever yeah. those things are. I don't yeah. know. Navy seals or something. Navy seals, yeah. they could have been <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. So we kept walking. We kept walking. On the same road, right in front of the hotel, on the the coast. On the coast. This is the this should be the the premier. Transport yourself to Florida and these are million dollar lots. Correct. Walking through here, there were let's say we walked by forty houses. Out of all those houses, how many were like one hundred percent even standing? Like without a giant hole in the roof, fallen, caving in. There was, we were walking by 10%. Man, we were walking by houses that no way you'd live in. No, I mean, you would be like, this is insane. It's like they're pouring water into them. And one side is obviously condemned. And then you'd be like, oh, that's an empty, vacant lot. And then suddenly, some you can tell on the other side of it, people are like living there and they're coming outside, you know. And we're seeing all these dogs chained up and like those massive pit bulls. Everyone had a big dog on the chain. We looked, I think at one point in time, we about halfway up the road, there was a, like, again, horrible dilapidated house, four or five kids outside on a trampoline, like right in the yard in their underwear. In their underwear. Like five, 48 10 degrees years old, and raining. Jumping up Barefoot. and down. Pit, pit bulls in the, in the fence. Mama's out there yelling. Like, it was, it Cult, was wild. Culture shock. It was. <clears throat> oh, it was yeah. wild. Yeah. And, that, and it didn't stop. The, we, as far as we wanted to walk. I would say we walked like, like what a mile, mile easily and a half before we turned and cut back and started cutting back through yeah. other places. And what we found out later, um, when the girl came back to the hotel to kind of pick us up to take us to fly out, um, yeah, there's actually that, yeah. yeah, there's actually like a little altercation there. So we're standing outside. We'll fast forward to rewind, but um, we're standing outside about to get picked up to take him to the airport, and. Uh, I connected with the hotel's Wi-Fi, and somehow or another, I got a FaceTime call to work to my wife. So I'm excited. I'm thinking, hey, this is the last time I'm going to talk to her in five days. I'm FaceTiming her. These two guys walk behind me, and they start, like, yelling stuff at me. And it's in their language or something, right? I, yeah, I, I didn't understand I, what they were saying. I, don't know, I didn't understand a word they were saying. Like, I, I looked over my shoulder, and they're still kind of yelling. And I'm thinking, like, who are they talking to? And they keep walking. 
and their heads are turned now i realize they're like fixed on me and Key i'm talking question, to my though, wife are you in full kuyu I was in full, okay. full at that point, camo at that point. At yeah. that point, I was like, I mean, we were, we were about to, to be dropped in the we field. Were yeah, yeah. So we were dressed to the nines, had gators on, whole nine. You ready to go? Ready to go. Yeah. And uh, and I'm sitting here talking to my wife, and this guy's screaming stuff at me. I'm like, I love you, babe. I gotta go. Like thinking like <laughs> I might have something to right. deal with. And he kept walking. And it wasn't yeah, just it wasn't a big deal, but like that. So she's standing there and witnesses this, and she's like, Yeah, a lot of the natives don't like hunters their parents or grandparents told them like hey you're here stealing their caribou and and it was a recurring theme like we had that happen multiple times multiple times after that yeah yeah yeah. it was very odd yeah you either have people that were super excited to see you and very helpful and you know they're probably making some money off you they're selling you something you know a service or food or whatever and then people who were just like get the hell out of our town like yeah nothing for you yeah and so i guess rewinding back to the point so we're back to first night in Kotzebue. Chris and I are walking the island, quote. Um, and we find our way into like a restaurant. Little grocery store. It's like a little grocery pizza, store. Pizza place. Yeah. And we went to, I think there are only like three or four of those type things on the island. Right. That are worth going to. Yeah. And we, f- we found like two of them. And I'm talking like holes in the floor covered by sheets of plywood. Um old stock of everything like mm. dust every like it's imagine your most like rural gas station that you've ever been to and it's this that plus yeah that exactly yeah and um anyway so one of them actually they've got like a little kitchen in the back and they're cooking stuff and for whatever reason we weren't hungry i can't believe that cause, maybe because all we did was I, eat i think on the, on the way the, on the airports we had had a good meal in anchorage anchorage yeah. we actually ended up eating there again but yeah that was yeah. we had a solid meal and it was only like a hour and a half flight at that point like our our sleep schedule and everything like what day was it we didn't really know but we'd eaten a lot so yeah i don't think we ate until we, we didn't. got out the field until we're in the field yeah. yeah because it was just like we had gorged ourselves the whole trip out yeah. there and uh anyway but there was a group of hunters and and they're sitting there and, and like ordered some food and we just stopped and talked to them. We're trying to kind of figure out where they were from, where they're going. And, and that was, I guess, like when we first heard about the Coast Guard incident, are we going to get into all that or no? Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we can touch on it. Well, one thing that it's bears mentioning though, is like, there's, there's a couple outfitters out there and the one that we didn't use actually had a, they were backed up quite a bit. Like, so a lot of these groups of dudes have been sitting there for, what i mean some of them two and three days, two and three days waiting. waiting just to go out in the field i mean on like a five to six day hunt you know they're not giving you your money back they're so not they're, gonna, they're burning days in kotzebue they're burning days the there yeah. and so our biggest fear because we started kind of reading about here and when we heard that i'm like dude what if we get stuck here and like you know we'd I'd rather be in the field and okay then that's that's we want to get to the field but if we're stuck in kotzebue there's nothing to do and our hunts burning like we're burning time like a lot of these guys they had the, the outfitters were calling them the- and something that's worth mentioning which was we're recording so we're good okay. we were batteries died in kotzebue anxious to get out of the field uh but later on we were in the field it, anxious to get back to it, it becomes it becomes a problem later now but, but when we first got there our biggest fear was hey look we're not going to be able to get out in the field we only have five six days there was a couple guys with another outfitter who were saying we're stuck two and three days. And, and why were they stuck? So when when you're out there, you're 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 beholden a lot on weather, 
and the, the planes they used to fly out there. And also it seems like with this outfitter specifically, it was a scheduling conflict. So they were scheduling too many people. They had one issue with weather, high wind, whatever it was. I think the week before we got there, there was a lot of rain and a lot of wind. And we'll touch on that in a minute. A few guys did have to be evacuated air quotes the from, their, from their, from their camp by the coast guard because they couldn't get the bush planes out there. So what, what had happened was they actually had been called by their outfitters a week out and said, Hey, did you guys buy trip insurance? Because if you did go on and cancel it, um, and we'll reschedule your hunt because we're so far behind. You might be sitting here for two and three days. But did you hear that? Is that what? Yes. That was actually when we got back, I spoke to a guy and he said that they were, received a call before they came two weeks out and said, did you buy it? They didn't. And they said, well, I'll just come on, I guess. But they're, one, they're not going to give you your money back. So if, if, if you only get to go hunt for one day, you only get one day. It's not like when they take you out, the timer begins. Your schedule is your schedule. Plus, you're, you know, you're buying flights. You've got, you know, top PTO for work. I mean, we've, we've all got like our own thing going on, but like, you know, if you're, if you're out there and you're a dude who works for, for a company, you've got, I mean, we all have to be somewhere. So yeah, it's hard to, and, um, and wives too, like I mean, and, and families, your and wife can be as cool as, as the day is long, but like, right. She does expect you to come back eventually. Right. <laughs> so like that's, that's gotta be planned. But. And, and it seems like, you know, there was some things we didn't understand going into it about managing our expectations with Alaska in general. But, you know, we can touch on a little bit on that later. But, yeah, there was there was some fear of getting out into the field. On yeah, that time. was that was like at first it was like, oh, no, we could be in trouble here. Well, we were thinking weather. Oh, my gosh, it's going to, you know, we, the weather was looking kind of yeah. kind of, sh you know, shady. Yeah, we were thinking it's going to rain. It's going to be this and that. Um, so we had a little bit of weather worries, a little bit of actually getting out there worries. Our fears, our, our worries were totally we were comforted, though, by the fact that like, hey, every all the reports we were getting were like the the. the um, Aviator guys, you guys are going with, they are on time. They're on time. They're solid. They're actually helping the other guys ferry people in and out. So they're, they're visiting these other drop sites to get people out. So we were on time and our people told us that they said, maybe if the weather's bad, you got to go an extra day, but they weren't saying, Hey, we're 40 guys behind. We got to, you know, you guys are going to be a week. That would have been a disaster. It would have been a complete fail. We didn't have that. So we were just super excited. Like one day in Kotzebue, and it was even it wasn't even really a day. We got there midday. Where our bodies are retired. It doesn't really get dark there. I think it's nine miles above the Arctic Circle. That on the sign or something. It's not far, but it's far enough to where like it gets dark, but not that not dark. Super dark. So you yeah. really don't get good sleep, anyways. They got blackout curtains in the hotels, but we were just super excited to to be able to get into the field. And, um, our outfitter communicated that with us. Hey, tomorrow about nine, well, they said, can I have nine, 10, something like that? We'll let you know. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and they did. And we get, we, we, you know, I think it was probably a little later than that. We ended up actually getting to the hangar and, um, that's when we, you know, of course got all of our stuff out of the hotel room, um, checked out, got our guns back, got our guns back, um, got our stuff. We're in our full kit. And that's whenever, you know, like I said, we're loading the van up to go to the hangar, which is, but as the crow flies a mile yeah, from the hotel, this place so is close. very small. I mean, I mean you can, island is so small. yeah, it's very small. I'm um, the, the airport. This is the, it's all this stuff seems purpose built, at least the hotel, the way that they run the, the, um, taxi services, it's for hunters to come out. Well, that, that's their industry there. The, Correct. the tourism is it's hunting. Yeah, there's not yeah. regular. Otherwise there's no, mm -hmm. no one goes there unless you're there for business for something that's already there. So Alaska airlines and then like the, um, there's a cargo, Company, company, company bearing, and then the the mine. Cargo. There's so there's a mine. What's it called? Red, Red Dog, Dog Mine. mine. Yep. 
the largest um, lead mine in the United States. So is it lead or zinc? I thought well, it was they did both. I oh, it's okay. government conspiracy. Per, per, the, per the internet, they they mine lead. I mean, we're out there <laughs> yeah. in the bush thinking like, dude, this mine's fifty miles away, and there's aliens there. There's like government <laughs> portals and spaceships. Well, we were 120 dude. miles from Russia. Yeah, where we were camped. There's like, a we drew the line. There. Yeah. I there's mean, like, like some sick nukes it, right there. It felt really like it felt pretty cool, actually. It did feel cool, but there. it felt like there's some clandestine stuff going on. Sure, there, we'll, get to, we'll, we'll get to we'll get to, to we'll that get to later that. Where, where our interaction with the mines could have happened. But the mine is coming back. The, in the, story. the mine is coming into the story, but and it, it, it has a, a role to play. But that is the nearest thing to Kotzebue. And but the, the thing about the mine is they have their own commercial airstrips. Um, they don't even use the Kotzebue. So it's, yeah, and Alaska Airlines literally flies people in and out. Correct. And our, our understanding. This well, is all you got. Everything we're saying, keep in mind that like, except for the stuff we obviously experience firsthand, this is all like secondhand information. I did read about this place though. They do, they do have dormitories there where they bring people in. They have, they have their own airstrips. Alaska Airlines does do that. That road we saw flying in, they have their own piers and their own ports. With the two vehicles on it that looked like hers. Yeah. 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 And and that's, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. So, so we backtracking a little bit. We hit the hangar. Finally, um, we had maybe hour and a half hour and a half two hours we we bought what two to four this this is somewhat relevant we mm. bought two to four extra pounds of propane from them yes and then we bought two uh butane canisters yes uh thinking that like we might need need to use some right. of those in the field and we had all rented we paid the extra i think it was about four or five hundred bucks a piece to yeah. be able to utilize their rented camp gear which basically consisted of like you had a, a cabela's guide tent um, a camp stove, some dishes, some chairs, some chairs, a couple pots and pans. Some, and then they were supposed to provide you with the food. And then they provide you with the food, you yeah. know, in the form of like uh mountain house meals and other dry stuff. Mini candy bars, mountain house, yeah. mountain house. We had some all, all beef kinds jerkies. of beef jerkies. We had, um, a couple uh, potatoes and onions, potatoes and onions. That's yeah. right. I that's the only fresh that. food we have was potatoes and onions. Potatoes I believe. And onions. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then like some oatmeal packets, tortillas, tortillas, peanut, like one, one jar, very small jar, one of, jar of goober, which is basically <laughs> half a jar of peanut butter, regular half peanut a jar butter, of jelly, yeah. which was kind of cheap. And that like was toasted in like two and a half days. Yeah, we, we tried to ration the last killed like, it half a day, but it was, uh, it was gone. Quick interjection here. Christian, what was your favorite mountain house? Oh geez, uh, my favorite mountain house uh, it's probably the uh, the Dickin and Dumplings. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. Oh, you mean the chicken and dumplings? I'm yeah, sorry. yeah. The, the Christian called it the Dickin and Dumplings the whole time. I mean, you just change the letters on everything. It yeah. makes it funnier. It, it you does laughed. make it funnier. It was I'm funny every time I said it. Like, we were thinking Dickin and Dumplings. Yeah, it um, lifted my day. Jason brought some special ones that. Oh, well, yeah. so when you're a three sponsored Kuyu athlete, <laughs> they they send you out with your. I'm kidding sponsored by anything but they, when, you, when you've spoken to chad mendez on the phone on the phone, on the phone that phone. actually happened you know you <laughs> that you, happened you, that happened uh no i i brought some of my own freeze-dried meals i've i've used a few times those peak meals so, i think yeah, they're signature. better so they were super solid i brought i brought <laughs> two chad mendez signature versions gi joe on the front GI joe on the front of it <laughs> bo q u for full and nine then, and then no but this is important i think so like i brought I want to say 12 to 13 total meals. We had a ton of food. Like freeze-dried yeah, meals. Yeah. How many did you bring? I brought 25 extras. 
How many did you bring? You I, brought MRE. Oh, I, oh, I, we need to rewind. <laughs> okay, so apparently when you're when you're when you're traveling with with um, MREs like military issue MREs because I've had a few of them just in storage for like the old prepper days. Um, I figured, hey, you know, I'm gonna break them down. So I'll pull out the condiment packets. Uh, you know, the spoons. Shout out to Chip for giving me that little tidbit. But save weight, make them smaller. I packed like five or six of them. What I did was I pulled out all the condiments and the extras just had the food no heaters and uh put them back in the bags and wrapped them up with like, duct tape with like them. 100 mile an hour green duct tape right and so they look like just like tiny bombs packets of drugs and bombs like, yeah, the only like thing you're missing was c2 written <laughs> on the side of them <laughs> and they were all in explosive. my carry explosive they fit nowhere except my my carry-on which was my hunting backpack which was jason's pack crucially um, had the full cavity body certainly. so i didn't get they were all tsa pre-checked they, they, they this year this was on their schedule for a year they were prepped and ready to go for flying for all this stuff i came in if you haven't heard the first podcast like three weeks out just barely got my tags barely got the tickets it was a last minute thing so like all my prep was like last minute fast so i'm packed like five mres and and i figured you know we had talked and i thought you had like nine mm, no, it was it was five. And there's a lot no, of no. You ate more. You were eating those things like twice a day. Bro. Well, MREs have a lot of food in them. Like if you're once a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. yeah. yeah. I know I was sharing. Like we were yeah, like because our food is kind God, of some of those were really good too. They were decent, and those were they were cold. They're like a hundred times better when like they're actually that hot. Cheese spread thing on those crap. I mean, that yeah. looked like some gas station dog food. Yeah. Well, <laughs> at the time I was bro, so happy. If I handed you that cheese and that. cracker right now, you'd throw it away. in the yeah. floor. <laughs> Same with those mountain house meals and the, you know, Mendez elk ragu. So like, so just a side note here, let's just, let's split the difference. Let's say you had seven extras. Sure. You had 25 and let's say I brought 15. So we were to be provided with enough food per the outfitter for the whole trip. For the and extras. And extras in case we had to stay late. Which, yeah, exactly. So we had extras per them, plus another, you said, you know, how many, like we had 40 plus a bunch of food, 45, we brought at least 45 extra meals between the MREs and the freeze dried mountain house peak signature meals. Um, (laughs) but yeah, so we brought, we had a bunch of food. Food was not a concern. Nope. When we landed. And we purchased extra gas. We had brought a few things that ran on ran on propane. We had yeah. a, a buddy, heater. and they gave us. That's true. Yeah, that buddy hitter was a big deal. We knew we knew that we were going to be using propane a little more than just to cook because I did I did a lot space in my bag for a buddy heater. It was recommended. Uh, Jason, one of Jason's colleagues, said it was. We brought know, it on our last trip. Yeah, you said it, it would be. Or they it would, rented us one. Yeah, it really helps just to dry it's out the engines. Yeah. Try you out, just wet. take the chill off in the morning. You know That's what I mean? If you're one. if if it gets below freezing or like in the teens, you're gonna just feel better a little. I mean, it doesn't make it warm, no. it just makes it easier to get up. And yeah. if you're gonna have the space, why not? So we brought it, but you can't fly with propane. So we got the propane that we rented from them. And they actually uh and they sold us, I think what, three, four extra I think three or four pounds, extra propanes and then, and then two, two ice yeah. for the yeah. uh the jet boil or, or whatever the uh the, the other Snow Peak signature peak. edition. Stove. Stove, yeah. So we but, but said all that to say this. We had enough equipment. We, we were fully gassed, fully food, fully everything. For the time we were supposed to be there, we should have been bringing back Lots. a lot of stuff. Yeah. But we were prepped, planned, just in case. And good. We're fat. We like to eat. So, that's I mean, true. like we don't want to be like hungry, you know. So. No, that's a morale killer. Correct. But So, like, backing up. So Or, well, I guess that's not backing up. So, we had the food, and we get everything kind of compartmentalized out. One of the things I've got to like 
give them a nod or attaboy on this. Like on the website, it says, Hey, you're only limited to 70 pounds per person. We were stressing out about that. We were very much stressing. We brought out way more that. than 70 pounds of person. Way more than 70 pounds. And we're like trying to think, well, do we need to, you know, I'll, I'll hold your to... stuff and you'll like move this to this plane. And we basically got there and they're like, yeah, don't worry about that. Like yeah. at all. We don't weigh it. We don't care. You know, um, <laughs> I mean, was that a conversation that was had? I never even heard. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I want to say I mentioned it. Yeah. Like, the, eh. the lady that was kind of running the show, the main one. So it's probably just a good way to keep people from bringing like 400 pounds of gear. I, I think that's, that's what she insinuated. Like, yeah. yeah. As long as it's not something crazy. We're, we're probably bad. all under a hundred pounds. So it wasn't that big of a difference. It wasn't egregious, but, but we, yeah. we had enough stuff, yeah. you know, camp security stuff and extra all kinds of and heater and this but a bunch of stuff we didn't need and didn't use. Right. Some of that. We'll get to all our gear winners and losers in a bit. We got a, we have an <laughs> we extensive, have a, list. extensive list of everything. But I've got to say this. So like I've never, and I know you, I don't think you like flying either. I don't think it bothers you, but, um, I've never liked flying. It always makes me nervous. Same, Even like yeah. commercial jetliner stuff. Like I, you on the way over the Rockies somewhere and every, it starts chopping every time. And I'm like white knuckle in the seat. Yeah. I'll never forget this. Is a, a quick side story. Shout out to my old college roommate, Jake Yost. He's a head wrestling coach at Macaulay school in Chattanooga. But we were flying to the NCAA tournament one time, the NCAA wrestling tournament, in New York. And we're landing in LaGuardia and it's like raining, lightning. It's night. It's dark. The plane, like, what do you call that stuff? I just said it. Uh, turbulence. turbulence. And, sh- and like shook. And we like fell, like what felt like a hundred feet to me before like we caught. And then it kept shaking. I screamed. And as I screamed, I grabbed Jake and he, he buried his head. And he was laughing. He goes, stop it. You're embarrassing me. <laughs> so like when I say I don't like to fly, I mean, I don't like to fly. Yeah, you're already. And I, it, like, it was a little overcast at the at the airport. Mm-hmm. Y'all are hopping in these bush and planes. We, and that plane lands, and I felt like the blood run out of my face. I, I literally was like, okay, this is how I die. You know, that that plane, I at the time, I couldn't read the registration card, which we saw later. But I looked at that plane, and I'm like, that plane is... 50 years old. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I, 1980. Uh, yes <laughs> yes and i i did not want to be on that thing and fast forward though as soon as he took off i was cool and i had I, a similar experience i i never been in a small plane don't love commercial travel at all but i can deal with it it's good as what it is you just kind of like let it go <laughs> we get in these things we're crammed in there like sardines you know oh yeah like, literally poking you in the side of the oh face. yeah you're, you're all i mean christian's like where do you want to ride and i was like uh where you where you pick and then i was like uh i'll take the back and i'm thinking like buffer zone you know like (laughs) like i'll be liquefied and and use you he'll he'll use me as a pillow (laughs) land safely like a little baby did you you pick up on the fact that i wanted you closer to the point of impact i I figured we were all dead if we crashed (laughs) it didn't matter probably right a thousand percent no one's walking away nobody's walking away for that so yeah i I had the same experience i looked at it i'm like oh this is interesting but you know i'm not gonna like be a little baby. I'm just going to deal with it. And, uh, sure. Sure. is like you said, get into it. I'm like, kind of actually I'm in the front seat. So it's a little, it's felt narrower, but I guess just cause there's, we're two abreast. I'm next to the pilot. He's a big dude and you're in the back and with the stuff, but I'm sitting here and our mine of his knees are touching and you know, like we're basically holding hands and I'm oh, like, yeah. my knees are touching the dash, um, you know, with all the knobs and the fuel mixture and the, this and that. And I, I mean, I, I can tell, I can read, so I can see what he's doing, but 
it's all kind of foreign still. And, you know, we start going, and I think they need, like, what, 40 yards or something to take off. They don't need a lot. As soon as they start rolling. That was like, what oh. freaked me out about the whole thing. Like, and I thought we were going to be doing, like, 100 miles an hour or 70 or 80. Fuck, yeah. it, looked like, it felt like we were doing 40 miles an hour. When, when we landed, I watched, we were, we were going, like, 50 or something when we were landing. That's so insane. it couldn't have been much more. I don't than understand that, the physics of that. Just oh, they're really lightweight. The wind picks them up. Anyways, as soon as we're in the sky, I had a little moment of, like, yeah, this is, like, I don't like heights. And... I mean, the ground's getting further away. And when we got over the, like, up high over Kotzebue and then over the water, I was like, like I, That was a part I didn't like. I it's think like, that, if this goes down, yeah, I'm drowning. we're freezing to death yeah, and drowning before, like, at anybody can At least fingers crossed if, I, if, we, if we go down, he can, like, glide it down and land it, right. maybe. Or if we're wait. in the middle of that body of water, yeah. nobody's getting out there fast enough. And hypothermia, you got, like, what, 15 minutes, maybe? Oh, I have to say less. I have no idea. Yeah. But I'm just saying, if, if, it's, if it's not abundantly obvious we're not frequent flyers of cessna airplanes right so we were both kind of brand new josh on the other hand he's a he's a pilot in he, training. He's, he's a pilot in a training PIT. right now so he's a <laughs> he's a pyt yeah. uh but uh no it's uh it's uh one of those things so that was kind of cool first time ever and uh yeah but as soon it as was. we got as soon as we got over the the land i think we were flying about six to eight hundred feet it was just cool. On the way out there, it was less than that. It was, it was like six hundred on the water. We was, climbed up to twenty four hundred in the mountain. But like on the on the like when we first got over the land and like kind of the it felt like I was stuff, just in a movie. I was like looking watching, at the sand four hundred, five hundred. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you, but I mean, we could it, see the Christian spotted a bear. Yeah, we saw a bear. Out there. I'm like, holy crap, cool. that's a bear! It's right yeah. there. We all, were y'all all in the same plane? No, no Christian and I were in one plane, and then Josh was in another. Same plane, they just reversed the colors, I think. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so there's one one important thing I want to mention on this. So we had all the hype, right, going into the trip, thinking that we might be delayed getting out into the field. So when we actually get on the airplane, we're excited. We are so excited so just excited. to be on the airplane yeah, because yeah. we had had all these scenarios in our head that were just like completely washed away when it's like, yeah. hey, planes are here, Let's gas go. is in them, our stuff's inside. So And it all transpired really quickly. Like we, yeah. we probably hung around the, at the airport. They have their own little kind of private hangar, if you want to call it that. Um, we hung around there for what, an hour and a half, maybe two maybe. hours. And then they showed up and like – Oh, there was no, there was up, no pre, was, pre-flight – Hey, let's have a let's have a sit down and talk. We're Nothing. gonna do this. It was like, hey, here's the plane. Here's your stuff. Boom, boom, boom. Get throw in. it all in. Let's go. Sooner or yeah. later, like before you know it, we're in we're in the sky. Yeah, and yeah. Th- that's that's the piece that's kind of on my lessons learned as I you know reflected the following days as we got back was the overconfidence level. So a couple of factors that play into that. One is that the excitement of wanting to get out in the field, yep. seeing the other guys out there being stuck for a couple of days. Okay, wow, we got this chance. And there's also just from a pilot standpoint, there's a confidence level of just flying with a pilot, right? You think that there's everything's going to be perfect. So I think the 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 key piece here is not having that meeting before we get on the plane, and that's some, something we'll touch on. I'll, I'll talk about later. Sure. One thing well, I would so like, like to, sorry, no, you. you that's one thing I would like to say. One thing exactly I would like to say, that, and I'm, again, I'm not an, I'm not a frequenter of uh, Cessna airplanes, <laughs> generally speaking. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we all know this. We all drive cars. Okay. So when you're driving in a car and you're staring at your cell phone the whole time, when you're driving your car, it's usually frowned upon. Texting and driving is Texting and driving is illegal in most states pro- yeah, in the lower Probably not a good thing. I'm not sure about the rules for texting and flying in Alaska. Yeah, but yeah. I know what he was doing <laughs> for about half the trip. And it was looking at the phone and then the plane would do the whole... 
got to go to the side. Part, jump back on was it. When he dropped the phone to like catch the the handlebars <laughs> and like what happened twice. Yeah, in between like a session of air drumming. So there was a, there was there was some solid. It air felt drumming. very much like you were riding in the front seat with the Domino's pizza delivery guy. Yep. He's like air drumming, rocking yep. out. I, all right, so. I'm going to, I'm going to be a baby and I'm going to complain here for a second. Cause like we were saying, we don't, I don't fly like these kind of planes and I really expected to get in and them to like, give me a headset and a little microphone None and us to, he didn't want to hear anything you had no, to say. No, he didn't. He put his on, didn't say a word, gave us like some weed eaters, <laughs> like some steel, you know, steel Yo. weed eater ear covers and, and went on his merry way. And I really wanted that whole, like. Oh, look to your right. Yes, I was, yes, I was expecting that. And I was a little let down when that didn't not happen. Not your tour but, guide, pal. But it was all right. I mean, like, to be honest, no, definitely not your tour guide. <laughs> but, like, seeing it, seeing Alaska, seeing the mountains, seeing the rivers and stuff in between, just, like, that whole experience. Yeah. That piece on the plane might have been, like, the most kind of, like, eye-opening, jaw-dropping. Sure experience you get to see the expanse of it it was we just seen how big it is and how like there's nothing out there And there's nothing there man nope and out of kotzebue you what what, 120 miles well they were saying like it was going to be like a max of they were uh, what what i was told was 75 to 120 would be max and then when we got out there my understanding was a little bit less than 150 i I calculated it was about 140 140 Yeah. yeah We can, I mean, we've got our points. So that, I mean, that being said, like we, we were looking past, we're so excited to be out there. We're in the plane. We're getting there. Like even dude air drumming and like texting and driving and not flying. It was right. comical. Nobody died. It like, was kind of, yeah. I mean, we made it back. We're laughing yeah. about it now, but I, at the time it was like, oh, this must just be what. I just thought it was normal. Yeah, exactly. I probably wouldn't have thought that if we had gone like careening into the side of Saudi Arabia. <laughs> I would have been pretty angry on my way <laughs> which, down. Which, which apparently that does happen up there. Yeah. Uh, every now does. and then. A lot. Yeah. Christian yeah. did some research. When we I got did a little Google. We'll we got back. We'll talk, we'll talk about, about that, that later. Too. So we're in the field. We hit um, 140-ish miles north of Kotzebue on a after after seeing maybe five miles out. We saw one herd of caribou. So the whole time, yeah, probably the, like seven to ten. And the wildlife was very lacking. It was. It was. We saw one bear, like ten one caribou, bear, two, ten. Yeah, and that was it. So and we're talking it. like 130 miles. We've been and, flying a long time. Yep. We've covered a lot of stuff and. I, I was personally like getting nervous because I'm the one that like rounded all this up and started this. Hey, Josh, come to Alaska with me. And I talked to Christian about it for a year and thinking, I don't like that we've flown 120 miles and seen 10 caribou. That's yeah, that's not, not good confidence odds. inspiring at this point. Right. But yeah, we land and we're immediately like in a hurry because it's overcast. The the wind's uh, blowing. Wind's blowing like wind crazy. Wind is howling. Wind is. Yes. Wind is howling. No, you're right. It yeah. was. I mean, they were in a hurry to get us out there. Yeah. Because weather was coming in. It was in. Probably. Yeah, we were setting up the tents, and it was it was drizzling. We were us. losing stuff, and it was, it was water. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, like, so one of the things that we probably should have taken note of that we didn't at the time was that as soon as we land, there are other tents there. And there are kind of rules about that, like outfitters, transporters in Alaska, they're not allowed to leave, like, their tents up. They have to. Like, have. not guide tents. Actual tent tents? No, they were guide tents set up. Okay. It, I mean, they're not like walled tents, like white canvas. They were like Cabela's six-person guide tents is what they were. Okay. And there were two. So so we land, we see those guide tents, and that probably should have like raised the old like Spidey sense or the Scooby, you know, like what's going on here? But like Josh and Christian both said, we were just excited to be there at this point. You know, we were thinking 
for the last like 24 hours, we didn't know if we were going out that day or not at all, or three days later, you know, and that point, especially after kind of what we'd seen in Kotzebue, we all decided, Hey, we'd rather hang out in, in the field than in Kotzebue. So, um, but well, on that, sorry, Jason interrupted, but just going back to the, that confidence level of, of the pilot, like we didn't ask any, any questions. Is this your, are you an intern? Is your first day on the job? Like what's your experience level? What's your first name? Like all of those yeah, things. We, that we didn't would, know a name. <laughs> we didn't know anything. <laughs> I had the same thing happen to me with, with the headset. You know, I, I was riding with, with the other guy. I put my headset on just like, you know, I, I would typically do, um, and nothing. I'm like, talk to him. Hey, what's up? And he's like, oh yeah, we don't have any batteries in there. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, how are we going to communicate? And throughout the trip on, on the plane I was on, he was talking to somebody. So he apparently didn't want me to listen in on his conversation. Yeah, that was, that was very evident. They, they <clears> he had no intentions of communicating with you. Yeah, yeah, no, no. So we were, we fly up. Which hurt know, my feelings. <laughs> we fly up. We <laughs> notice these tents laying out in the field and, uh, our pilots, they park, they park their planes about 150 yards, maybe maybe 100 yards from these tents. They get out immediately and just start going and wrangling these things up. Apparently, this was a camp that had been evacuated by the Coast Guard about a week prior, a couple of days. I'm really, I'm really yeah. fuzzy on the timeline of how long Seven this stuff to 10 is days is my understanding. These guys experienced some bad weather, <clears throat> had to get evacuated by the Coast Guard. We're unsure of all the look details about how all that happened. This is the party hunting party prior to before you guys. This is, the, this is yeah, an ill-fated expedition. They, and they had obviously gotten done a lot of work. They, got, they killed a bunch of caribou. Um, I think there was like eight of them or something. I really don't know, but the details don't matter. These guys got pulled out by the Coast Guard. But when the Coast Guard picks you up, they don't pick up all your stuff. Too. They don't they, bring your caribou home. No, they, they're not the taxi service. They picked them up, their guns, and I think they said that they let them bring a bag. All their caribou, all their game bags, all their stuff, and all of the the uh, outfitters, excuse me, all the outfitters' uh, gear was left for a week, blown in the wind, yard sailed all over the side of this hill. I would say it was probably blowing 25 to 40 miles at the time. That was some of the heavier wind we experienced. It really was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But so immediately we're in action. We're getting our stuff off the plane, you know, throwing all the stuff in a pile, Um, trying to figure out like where we're going to put scoping it out. Cause we're on on top of a ridge with a lot of winds. Josh, Josh was kind of scouting down, down below and ended up finding a decent spot kind of, Maybe what? 300 yards. three 400 yards yeah. away from our initial landing spot. And we began to like ferry things back and forth. He set up the tent. Um, our first six-man guy tent, we were provided with two. One was going to be our sleeping quarters. The other yeah. was going to be our supply tent for extra stuff, you know, food, what, what have you. Um, as we're setting it up, the wind's blowing. Uh, we get one set up. Uh, I say we. I was moving stuff, and Jason and Josh were, were setting the tents up. The first one gets set up, and it's fine. Looks good. Um, it actually happened really quick, so that was awesome. Second one, I think y'all were wrestling with it a little more. The wind picked up, and when you got it up and the fly was going over top of it or whatever you call it, the, the, the outside covering, it was like rain fly, no. the rain fly. Yeah, it was bending in. And like one side of it was caving in and collapsing. So we're like, we literally just put the same tent up. So it's not like we're trying to figure it out. But even then we were kind of going around like, okay, what's, did we do wires are crossed? What did we do? We're checking all the hooks. Nothing's wrong. And, uh, turns out this is just a bad tent. We ended up. I think they they had like one or two, like faulty poles. Yeah. But if these are brand new, like out of the box. Structurally, Mm -hmm. they're just, you know, this is a Cabela guide tent, but structurally this one was not having it so we ended up actually uh rotating it we played with it for a little bit rotated it and where the, the bad side was 
next to our tent, so it was kind of protected from the wind. And um, it was functional. It was functional actually throughout the whole the whole the yeah. whole experience. We didn't have any issues with it collapsing. We had some bad wind days, never saw it. So that was a uh, that was solid. Camp gets set up when you're hunting on these things. I didn't know this, but you know it makes sense to me. You can't land and then just go hunt right away. You got to wait at least uh, what, what we were told is three in the morning the next day, three a.m. Basically yeah. the next day. And I'm assuming that's so you don't just like go and like oh there's a sick herd, hop, shoot it from the plane and yeah. just leave. You know, yeah, or I something think that's like. The purpose of the intention. Yeah, so you got to be out there. So we actually had some time to like stretch out, get our cots set up. We're not like on the clock, you know, to be like, oh, we need to be hunting right now. We're burning daylight. So right. we got time to, I think we, we got our, uh, our supply tent set up. We, we set up, uh, I think a bear fence we did around yeah. our so, initial dwelling. I brought an electric bear fence for the second time to Alaska, which it, was a turd the first time you brought the first it. time. <laughs> yeah. But they gave me a new energizer, which totally at, worked at, for like three or four days. Yeah. And then, put on that yeah. as well brought backup batteries it wasn't batteries i i think it was just like the wind and the rain that toasted that thing i know? think it just kept getting grounded out yeah yeah maybe, yeah maybe it so. offered a visual barrier to anything so i it did we, i think we didn't you know, talk about maybe animals don't they don't i don't think they like man-made looking things yeah. as much as well, they probably uh, never seen one yeah i'd imagine you know so and it wasn't just like the one with the like one wire that runs around it at three heights. It was like this a was lot like, of wire. I mean, it looked like a chain link fence. Like a mesh mess. Yeah, it was a mess. And um, So camp is set up. We're here. This is now uh, Saturday. We flew in. Camp is set up. We got all our stuff, our, our cots, our food and everything. Um, and I think we maybe sat down, had a meal, um, something dehydrated. And, yeah. uh, and then we went out and scouted. Yeah. Um, we had the other other uh, fence too. Oh, yeah. Talk, talk about this because this actually did work. We didn't test it. So we're going to patent that that uh, perimeter fence that we had set up. Patent? I thought this isn't something you bought. You came up with this on your own? Yes. Are you serious? I'm serious. Oh, my gosh. That's way more so impressive. Josh basically <laughs> rigged up an entire tripwire system around our camp it's using like, like Vietnam. Yeah, using by. some like bamboo shoots and some. Uh, <laughs> Literally bamboo sticks. And twine. And twine. And, and he what were the, these little mechanisms that would hold a shot shell? A shotgun shell. Yeah, yeah, like shotgun a 12 gauge shell. Yeah, yeah. we should know. And when, they, uh, when you trip it, you know, it, it knocks the primer off and you know up there we only have act we can only fly with certain kinds of the these shells so we couldn't bring the explosive kind we had to bring the ones that are a a primer and cayenne pepper yeah. but but they would they would offer you the idea is you run a bear banger out of it right yeah, which has like a full so. flare and like mm-hmm. fireworks and all kinds of stuff can't bring those on a plane can't bring so. that on a plane yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, that was Saturday. We uh we went up and after everything set up, we went up and glassed and uh I think I we saw like two or three, four maybe cows and yeah. then but no bulls. Yeah. All cows. And from I mean, so did we just go to the like the close one behind us or did we do I a little bit of hiking? I think we only went to the to the bench right behind us. Is that it? That's I think so. I, I honestly I'm surprised I don't remember. That. Um but yeah, like the bench behind us, which is only a few hundred yards to hike up to. You could see four to six miles in both directions. I mean, like once you got up to where we were, you could look down and you could see, I don't know, maybe six, eight miles in front of us, maybe. Yeah. And then six-ish to the right and maybe another five, six to the left. I don't yeah. And on the north side, we can actually, you know, past our, our line of uh, animal visibility, we could see the next mountain range, which was probably... 40 miles we had a very away. good vantage point for our, yeah. for our, like seeing in a lot of different directions. We could walk a couple hundred yards in any direction and see like a good 
a different scene. Yeah. We're not looking at the same thing from different angles. We're looking at different stuff. No, but that one behind us was massive. It was huge. And I, I mean, like, like 60 square miles or something. Yeah. I mean, like, right? Yeah. Am I crazy? I mean, no, it, was, it was a I'm lot. crazy, but it's not, not about this. And uh, I, once again, I was a little disheartened. Like, we get up there. We've done all this stuff. We go to this massive glass. We're point, finally here. Finally here. And it's like four cow caribou. And the problem is you can't shoot a cow caribou. It's got to be a bull. Oh, yeah. And this unit with our tags had to be a bull. And so. No that, females. Yeah, no females. That was a little disheartening. But we were treated to the tents. Ate some food. So we're still obviously in good spirits because, oh, yeah. you know, we're just like, hey, we're going to go out there and get it. And this is going to be uh, work, but it's going to get done. And what, what we learned later in the trip, though, is that most of that that we were looking at was was really inaccessible because of the nature of the terrain. Just like marshy, tussock type stuff. Like it, it was just, the travel is just so slow going. It was it's just thick. It's it? very thick and unstable underfoot. And you're trying to walk from like one basketball to the next. And if you don't, you're, you know, ankle in deep in water yeah. or in some kind of brush. So like, there's no win. Yeah, I step over it, step uh-huh. on it. You know, it's not big enough for your foot to land on. Right. So you're constantly like rolling your roll. ankles around. Yeah. And I mean, even on the mountain, the, the perma on the mountain still, maintains water so even on on the mountain where you think it's going to be dry you're still walking in water fortunately our our ridge mountain did have a little harder denser packed it did terrain so we could actually get to our glassing spots really pretty effectively efficiently without having to like burn ourselves out so we could you know we know we're gonna have to burn out in the valley but we're good up here to like scout go move until we find something that was that was worth chasing which actually thinking back on it's probably one of the reasons why they Put choose you there. to put you there yeah, yeah. because you've got options right so, yeah i mean it makes sense yeah other uh, key point was there was no alarm for us about the prior caribou that were on the ground <laughs> that the bears had yeah, yeah. On. so as we kind of discovered later into the week like i we just didn't realize like what what had transpired i guess and so as we kind of went later into the week we discovered more and more and more and more dead animal parts. in the form of like <laughs> caribou heads that had been gnawed on uh shredded game bags that were empty and and um you know shredded trash water jug like you name it where it just been drug out of the camp that drug was left out abandoned. of the camp yeah wind blown drug wind out by blown bear. by bear Wolves. ripped to shreds you know like yeah it, it was I mean, their camp was just left so. that had been like a bait pile for however long it had been there yeah that's a wonder you guys weren't yet with bears yeah. Well, yeah. and we saw a lot. I mean, I'd say we saw what, eight, ten, somewhere in that range. Uh, it's between all of us, I'm sure. I mean, I saw a couple, you know, glassing yeah. and stuff, but we didn't. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't crazy. No. I mean, we heard no. from some some hunters in other camps, seven in a day, seven in an hour. Yeah. Ooh, couple oh, yeah. Guys having to make shots on them, on you know, them. kind of getting getting cornered up a up a drain it, or something. It so, got down to them and a ten millimeter Glock yeah. and a, a So we we at the time we thought, hey, we actually saw some bear. That was pretty, you know, pretty pretty cool. We saw a lot of them. But then hearing some of the dude's stories that we came back, I was like, ah, we didn't really see that many bear. Like they if we, you're having to shoot them and regularly <laughs> having to watch them like they you shoot something and then they they're on the gut pile already. Yeah. Like what do you guys say though? Like a, a rifle shot's like a dinner bell out there yes. for the bear. Like these yeah. things are smart enough to know these hunters are rotating through here and there's food mm-hmm. when they hear a loud noise. Right, so, right. Um, 
We so, were fortunate. So yeah, I guess let's, that was the day that we dropped off. The next morning, we wake up, make our breakfast, yep. eat. Got, got a good night's sleep. I got think a good night's sleep. Well. Yeah, felt great. Woke good day up. sleep. Yeah, good day sleep. Because yep. it's, like Daylight. you said, it's <laughs> getting dark 1230-ish. And it's getting dark in air quotes. Because, it, I mean, it did not get, like, pitch black for sure. Um, but then it, it's starting to lighten up 4.30, 4.45, something like that. Does yeah. that sound right? I mean, I was asleep, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and we're, like, five hours behind our, our normal schedule. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We were way behind. So that, you know, the, the jet lag stuff on the way there, it wasn't that big of a deal to me, Coming but back. on the way back, man, I noticed it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think I'm just now kind of getting normal again. And it was 10 days ago or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yes, the next morning, eat our breakfast, get our clothes on excited. Didn't see much the day before, but hoping for strong prospects. And you can hunt this day. now. We can hunt now. It's, yeah. it's on like Donkey Kong. We've both got rifles, guns, everything, you know, yeah. we're ready. Uh hop up you know a few hundred yards behind our tent to uh that main first glassing point and like it's on we look down in that valley and they're probably they had moved in overnight yeah i mean what 40 caribou i mean more than we have easily easily 40 yeah, 40 50 mm-hmm. and I mean, they were everywhere. several different like small herds you know um still not a ton of bulls though well, i remember there being one bull there was like, one like one nice good bull, bull far off mm-hmm. in the back and we'd actually discussed on moving him, moving, moving on, on him. him well and so i was I, i've got to say like always be closing you know like you got to capitalize on what you got in front of you while we were sitting there i think all of us were like taken aback by the expanse of that valley the scene that was playing out before us all those caribou they weren't migrating they were literally like eating you know, I mean, like they were not migrating, but moving. They weren't moving. They were feeding. They were bedded down. They were there. And we look. We sat. We didn't make a play. We sat and literally just watched caribou for half an hour, 45 minutes. Like nobody even talked about. I mean, we, well, that's not true. We talked about, hey, that's a good one. We need to make a play on him. But just watching this and taking all this in, like I think everybody was kind of like dumbstruck by the scene that was out in front of us. Is that, mm. yep. is yep. that a fair? Yeah. And we talked the night before just, you know, from mining your past experience, Jason, about, okay, first day, that's a recon day. Like we're going to, we're going to analyze the scene, see what's coming through, kind of get a, a get game the, plan. Get the lay of the land. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we took it kind of light on day one in terms of our, our, our plan of attack. So yeah. we're, we're chilling on this little low bench. Yeah. Right, watching these caribou. And like, and yeah, like 45 minutes later, I'm and I'm trying now to like, just see the edges of everything. And I'm probably looking two, three miles off and I see this cow and her calf and they are running towards us. Like, like our direction in the Valley. I mean, running like sprinting, like caribou always move fast. You can never go get to them. Yeah. I mean, it's like, if they're moving, you're not going to cut them off. It's just, they move faster than you think. Well, their slow is way faster than what we can. Yeah. Especially in that terrain. And in that terrain, we're even slower than we think we are, you know? And so I'm looking at this cow and her calf and I'm like, guys, that caribou is running like full tilt sprint. Like I've never seen a caribou move like that. Like something is up. They're kind of looking. I'm like, no, seriously, something is up. Like what's going on? And I'm like, looking. 
don't see, I'm expecting like a bear or something. Don't see it. Clearly don't see it after. I mean, it took them two, three minutes, four or five minutes maybe to go two miles. And now they're dead in front of us. And Christian goes, Oh man. <laughs> yeah. I just saw a big wolf jump out of the bushes. And I saw the whole thing. I saw it. Like, it just leaps out. I didn't see where it came from. I mean, we're way up high, but I mean, it was jumped out of these bushes and just starts running these things down and national geographic style. It, it literally, honestly, I didn't feel like I was hunting. I just felt like I was like, like watching, watching what I was, it yeah. felt like I was watching like, like a movie. Yeah. And I'm looking at it in my like, you know, binoculars and I can see it clear as day. And I'm like, dude, that's a wolf. Like it's crazy. It's big, way bigger than it I thought they big. were. And, um, it's just big ball fur just run after this stuff. And, uh, and those things are moving full tilt. And like. yeah, it's not, and at that point, it's not just the two. And then all of them are like, high alert they all know sums up and then they all start moving dude this valley emptied out <laughs> within like the 10 toilet minutes flushed and they there was all gone. nothing we were there. looking at grass yeah i mean nothing i could not believe that that and while that was amazing to watch i was like heartbroken too like <laughs> i can't believe what just happened we yeah. almost had a massive opportunity to make a play yeah. on a really good. Cause there was goal. a solid one out there. Yeah. I mean, that we could have gotten to. And instead of that, it was, you just watch this whole scene unfold under you in front of you. And then the whole Valley just got hosed empty. Yeah. yeah. It was a ghost town. If you, We got to see a pack of wolves separate two cows, uh, elk, uh, in Yellowstone when the boys were young and we watched them team hunt these two cows and uh if i think it was about um four wolves grays and uh it's it's just a sight to behold it is i mean it's screwed i mean it definitely screwed up your hunt that day but it's still something you'll never forget i mean as as much as it was a low light it was one of the highlights of the trip i mean it was insane did y'all have a anybody have a wolf tag yeah we both did. josh and jason yeah. both had a wolf but tag. i mean like we were probably a mile and a half away and there's no way i mean like yeah. you see how fast those things are moving and it's just like, yeah, there's zero chance we're, we're getting down there. It's like, it's so, like, so Valley empties out and we are, yeah. Okay. That, that just happened. But in day still young, we're like right hunts. So we just immediately start. All right. Where are we going next? You know, we know that the, like most of them moving around kind of around the corner to the back side of the ridge we're on. So we say, okay, we just turn around, get back up to the top and start moving through the, you know, through the top of the ridge, which there, there's a lot of like false edges and you come over and you can see further and you're down. It's really hard to tell how far anything is, even though it's easy to walk on up top. And I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think when we got up there a couple of times, we like got, you know, we crest a little bit of a, of a hill and like, oh snap, there's some right there. And we got quiet a few times and did some sneaking around and Josh has camera out and like, we're like, okay, like, yeah, some right around the corner and we're oh, yeah. expecting to see some massive bull. And I mean, it ended up just being, Cows, 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 calves. And, um, which was kind of like, okay, whatever. I mean, I'm still seeing animals. This right. is cool. At least we're seeing live animals and not just nothing. I mean, in my mind, that happened like six times that day. Like Probably. small little groups. Yeah, of little cows. groups of cows. Yeah. And, uh, so we, we, we cut through. Which was great. I mean, yeah. based on our previous trip, we would have been thrilled for that. You know? Right. So we end up going down the backside of the ridge because we knew like most of these things that had probably walked around here and there was a couple small herds that were that were headed around that side so we end up on the back end and we kind of were glassing a bit and see them over off in the distance and they're making their way sort of in the same direction we're going and what jason said before is like hey listen you can't cut them off can't catch them 
and we were like making the like these guys have been out in the field before i've never been in this situation but like even then i feel like we were all like nah nah they're right there we can definitely get them we had a 50 50 shot i think yeah because there were two paths that they could have taken they could have taken yeah. the drain which was the path that we were headed towards or they could have taken the high road up the mountain they just happened to take the the way we weren't and, going yeah you know af- after we got down in there we were like okay well this was the same bull that was back in in the valley and we, we i mean we had a chance for them to come straight in front sure. of us we took we, we, we took a chance and, and yeah, we, we flipped a coin but the the key thing there was they were pressured so yep. whenever they're pressured, they're not going to take the least path of resistance at that they're point. Gonna move. They're going to get to the they're, high. They were mountain climbing. Yeah. And so we ended up like halfway down the valley on the back end. And, and we start to like, this is, I think, the first time we start to be our feet are wet. You know, we're walking in water now. And it's like, okay, the, 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 the grass basketballs were stepping on and everything. So at that point, it's like, oh, this is the terrain. That's actually the first I'd felt the terrain yet because we'd been on the top of the hill a little squishy but otherwise it had been so i was like okay this is actually what they were talking about and it wasn't even as bad as it got so we ended up over there um we got i mean that group was far away from us at that point so we ended up i think kind of doubling back towards the ridge and um running into another small herd right of all cows again we ended up on a little knoll, a little grassy knoll, and we had a nice little spot where, like, we could have had some good shots, and we did have some good shots on animals, but there was still no no bulls, right? I mean, that was pretty much... I've gotten my notes. You saw a bear that day, too. I think it was the next day. I saw one that day, for sure. You definitely saw a bear that day, but it was, it was quite a ways away. Yeah. When we were glassing. Actually, when we were glassing the top of the ridge, yeah. But we ended up so we, we we lost the one herd with a with a known bull in it. We ended up back on the on the back side of the ridge at a, a nice little spot, a little shoot spot. And um we just chilled for about what, 20, 30 minutes or something, and, like watched them, glassed them, just relaxed. I mean, we we'd sort of been hiking a lot that day already and uh, ended up uh seeing nothing. I think one of them came right up on us. They smelled us, they saw us. I mean, you know, a couple cows and then uh bounced. I think about the time that, you know, they were actually all headed back up the ridge where we came from. Like they were filtering that direction. So, okay, well, we're just going to go back up there. I think we dropped on the backside, looked around a little bit, nothing. It was completely dry. Checked the the original valley, nothing. And I don't really know what our plan was at that point, but I feel like back to the tent. I feel like, I feel like we said, we kind of were like, we, We'd been at it a lot and we're yeah, like, like, we're hungry. Six hours or something. We're going to go get some food and regroup this day. And I don't know what time it was. You might have your notes or not, but we start back towards the tent on the top of the ridge. So that's as the, you know, I'd say what about half a mile from, you know, on the backside of the ridge, yeah. about half a mile from the tent. So we end up uh, walking towards the tent, just the most direct path. Um, at this point, just to, to make a note of it, had we collected any water yet? No, not like we point. we were given water jugs that were full. we were given two, and then we poached one that was actually still left intact. Yes, even a couple I think were shredded by bears, right. but there was one left intact from the previous camp. We poached it. So up until this point, we've been hiking all over this ridge and seen about no water at all. There was a little tiny runoff stream with um with some water that was usable, and it was like yellow runoff yeah. runoff water. But that was all we saw. So. We walked over that a few times on the way back to the tent. So uh, next thing that happens is we're, we're cresting these hills back towards the tent. And uh, Josh is in the back. Jason's with me. And we are just beelining. I don't even think we were – we were watching for animals. We really weren't, like, 
Like I want something in my belly. I we should get... have been because that was the valley where the bears were dragging most of the trash and stuff. Right. We didn't know that at the time. Right. And so about that time we'll be Cresta, which was Cresta I, Little Hill. I just looked. It was like three thirty-seven p.m. Okay. So it was. It, we'd been at it for early afternoon, a good part of the day. Yeah. We started. I think we, were, we started early. I mm-hmm. think we woke up at six something, and yeah, we're out there by you know seven thirty. So yeah, we're on the way back to the tent. Boom! There's a uh, crest over the hill. Look on the side of the mountain. There's a big, beautiful bull with some big, big, big tall antlers, and he's like on the side of the mountain, like Lion King, staring out at the <laughs> valley. We'd been glassing the same spot. He was glassing what we were glassing, looking for something to do. And he's on top of the mountain, which we yet to see any bulls that close. And and you know, I'm looking at him through my binoculars, and I'm like. This thing's huge because I'd only seen him like small speck far away at that point, and yeah. I think we saw it about the same time. Yes. And I saw the, saw the antlers sticking up, and the ends up like this. This guy had tall, like they were really tall. Really they weren't. Tall. They weren't as you cool. knew he was a bull immediately. Yeah, they weren't as much like a like a like a C like a like a C as much as they were just tall. Tall. They were very yeah. tall, and uh, so about that time, like we're like oh, like, you know, conditioned red, we're ready to go. Like okay, this is it. Like, and I'm looking at it, like it was my, my shot was the first shot that was, we just had kind of agreed on that early on. Yeah. And, um, so it was, it was my day to hunt that day. And, um, I was like, okay, here, fortune here, here's fortune. Let's do it. Like, you know, we've got the guns, we've been doing it. And, and you know, it's, there's, there's a degree of luck too, obviously. And this is, this is some luck. We just hit it. So let's And I'm it. running up behind you to my memory. You're right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And I'm there. trying to range that thing for you. And you were ranging any ranges with your vortex, uh, binoculars. Yep. And, um, I would say that thing had been doing a decent job, but but at the same time, you're in the field, it's bouncing off things. You're yeah. not really getting like the it's same. It's not an exact science. No, definitely not an exact so, science. I've got Josh's gun, the uh, the uh, Mesa, the Mesa, the, the the carbon fiber lightweight rifle with a can on it. That's my dog. <laughs> I was just trying to. Is there a demon in here? Like, what's something. going on? Sorry, y'all. That's my dog. The ghost of the caribou past is here to uh, cat exactly. walking across the uh, the cul-de-sac. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, the second I see this thing, I'm super. I'm super excited. So, uh, I grabbed Josh's rifle. I think he was carrying his rifle. I handed Jason my scar. Pulled my pack off. Jason ranges it. It's like 560. Like five, yeah. And then I'm like, okay, I want to move a little bit closer. Cause he hadn't seen us. He's just standing there. So yeah. I think we split the distance between like that and made it like five ten. Yeah. Five ten is what we got I a few numbers. Five ten was, was the number we yeah. think we agree upon. Um, shooting over a, you know, shooting kind of a valley, across like a, valley. a tiny little valley. He's yeah. a little elevated from us. Yeah. I was actually able to build a pretty solid, like mechanical rest with the ground. I mean, with, with the shot was, was very clean. Like I didn't have to use a bag or a tripod, which, which are always a little wobbly and you're never really sure about it. You're moving all day. I was able to go prone and use the earth and, and lay it right down with the, with the way the terrain was moving. Is that a really, really good, like sad picture, yeah. good shot, like felt good. We had a little bit of fudge on the dope. And also I think that the range <clears throat> looking back, we, we, it was, it was negligible. There was a little range difference. The, the, the dope numbers, we were slightly off. So, so we're kind of like playing guesswork here, but it's 500 yards. So if you're a little off, you're a lot off. So, um, made a shot, um, you know, again, you know, trigger, bam, nothing happens. Okay. I think I have three in the gun, yep. ran the bolt, did it again. Nothing. I'm like, okay. Like I know these are good shots. Like you've done shot. some long range. Shooting I've done too. enough shooting to know, like, like I can tell you if that was horrible or if that was like, that should have hit. So I make another one, boom, third one, nothing happens. I'm like, okay, so what's up? So 
I only had three bullets in the gun. Josh is probably what, 50 yards back with his backpack. Mm-hmm. that has got the, the box of like 6.5 PRC, which is the craziest little round anyways. And uh, I'm like, dude, Jason, go run and get it. So Jason's like drops all his stuff and he like, sprints over there as quietly as he can, gets a box. And I'm just keeping eyes on the bull the whole time to see if he does anything. Comes back. He's alerted now. He's, he's like alerted. Yeah. He's looking in our direction and we're over here like floundered around like dumb. <laughs> like a bunch of idiots. Like Elmer Fudd shooting yeah. 40 rounds at him. <laughs> they're whizzing by his head. He's, so you know, did you see the, did anybody see the impact? Are we going high? So, so I'll, t- I'll tell you the next thing that happened is I, I put three more in the gun and, um, I pressed the trigger. Same thing. I, there was no impact to be seen based on where we were shooting. There was nothing in front. Like there, it wasn't low because I could see the ground. There was nothing going on. So it had to be going high. I didn't put two and two together at the time though. I aimed basically the same place. I'm thinking, okay, some, maybe it's me. I mean, I'm second guessing myself at this point. Press trigger. I pressed the trigger. Fella just, he doesn't run. He just kind of turns and walks away. I'm like, okay, crap. So I have two shots in the gun. And I think about that time, like I was like, what's the dope for this? And like, he said one, you said, I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, what's the dope for a hundred yards? And I was like one, zero, whatever it was. And I said, oh, well, what's, what's yeah. two, what's 200. And I'm, I'm thinking like to myself, like this dude ain't far. I'm just going to like split the difference, run after him. If I see him, I'm shooting him. And yeah. like, I'm going to be closer. So if I'm a little high, low, it's not going to matter. So do that. Um, I think I cranked it to two threw my pack on Jason's got my scar and they're probably both carrying a bunch of my crap. I don't even know what was going on. I took that scar and I ran. Cause I was thinking like, if you, you cut the other direction. Yeah. Cause I was thinking you might push him my way. And I thought yeah. if he's, Flush if he gets within two, 200 yards Smoking. of me and I've got that scar, I'm he's catching all the rounds. I, I, yeah. I'm emptying. Mm-hmm. The well, I mean, we were all on it. That bull was not leaving that. Valley. No, no. Like, we, if, yeah. if we could do anything about it, he was not leaving. And he wasn't spooked, but he did move. I mean, he might have been spooked, but he didn't run away. That's the beauty of a suppressed gun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. And that's I would I would probably say the reason we got that bull was because, because of, of a suppressor. suppressed gun. I agree. Mm-hmm. If we were shooting that that Tika at him, Pow, well, yeah. it just would have been yeah. we'd have been more he'd discombobulated. Been he'd have heard it annoyed and all kinds of yeah. stuff. Yeah. He, he I mean, we're just like taking that. a little But shots. he had a, something else to, of note. Mm-hmm. He had a girlfriend with him. Well, so that's what I didn't realize until I got up there. So I, I split the difference of the valley. Um He's at the top of a drain, kind of come up on him, and I see just where I could see over the ridge and see him. He walked around the corner, and I, the first thing I saw wasn't him. I saw a cow. I'm like, oh, okay, so that's that's what's going on up here. That's why he's up here. Because there's a bunch of cows up there. We saw him. We probably pushed him up there anyways. So I see him around the corner, and I'm like, okay, this is this is cool. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to cut around the backside, and I'm going to come down, and I'm going to shoot down at him. Because I know you had said before, too, like, you don't really want to get under them and like shoot up, you know, cause like whatever backstop this and that, you don't know what you're shooting at. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't have been too concerned with it, but I was just thinking automatically get around him, shoot down, cut him off and you're fine. Cause he has nowhere to go. He's got yep. a left or right. He's not going to go straight down the hill. So if he goes back, you're going to shoot him. If right. he goes forwards, I'm going to shoot him. Yeah. So I see him, I'm, I start cutting back around and about that time, they probably smelled me. I'm sure something like I alerted him because she shoots out the back end, which is right in front of my path, right in front of your path. And now we're in a valley. I see her first and then I see him. And I would estimate probably 220 yards, maybe could be less, could be more. Couldn't tell you. I didn't have a ranger with me. I didn't care. I knew I was at 200 yard dope. So I thought I I looked through the aim through the sights. I was shaky as hell. I'd been running. I literally ran there. Yeah. Dumped my back. Dead sprint up a steep, steep hill. I moved fast through that because I really, really wanted it. And like, 
I felt like that was like going to be a great, like, let's get him day one right now. I was literally thinking that's mm-hmm. like one of those old school instructor zero videos, you know, where he's <laughs> like running like 500 yard sprints yeah. and putting his hands in ice and then pulling out, <laughs> pulling out the gun and trying to be on track. I was thinking Christian's having an instructor zero moment. Right so now. we've done a lot of like, like we, 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 play, we play around. Yeah, I mean, we've we, done we, that. You know, it's, we, we do a little LARP on the side sometimes and do some, you know, put the, the, the rifles up and we run and shoot. So like. I'm familiar with it. And, and what I know is like, you can't shoot without a proper shooting platform. You got to build from the ground up something. So if you're sitting there breathing heavy and you're trying to look through a rifle, I don't care how good shooter you are. If the gun's moving up and down and the trigger ain't right, you're not going to hit what you're, right. what you're aiming at. So I'm thinking, okay, where I start, I want to go prone. Well, I notice immediately, like based on where I'm sitting, standing, there's no prone. Yeah, Prone is off the table right now. What I end up doing is I end up going to a seated position. So I'm sitting on the ground. Uh, my my uh, triceps are rested right in front of my knees. So like soft on soft, nothing knobby and hard touching where it's moving around. Build a base to shoot, tuck it in tight, look down the sights or look, look through the scope. I see her and I wanted to make sure because like I'm not a hunter. I don't, I've not shot very many living things in the wild, but I don't want to jump the gun and think, Okay, there it is. Bam! And now, fur, now I've fur. killed a cow. Yeah, yeah and yeah. he's gone. She's dead. I'm in trouble. You know, whatever. So I look at her. I remember distinctly. Remember looking at her, looking at him, looking at her, looking back at him. At yeah. that point, I taken. I taken. I think what? So three, four. This would be my fifth shot. Now the only shot that I made close though, and um, lined it up on him where I. Where I believe the heart, lung area, vitals area was, press the trigger, the falls to the ground immediately. immediately. I mean, right to the ground, he's kicking, Boom. and he's Knew probably right dead there. within thirty seconds, maybe a minute. I scream as soon as he hit the ground. I screamed. I heard Jason off. Heck there. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, so <laughs> I'm down below you at this point. I'm I recorded you hit the you know the first couple shots, and then I get below you as you make that last shot. Yeah, and we so, hear it on camera. Hit hit the caribou. So you got it on film. I got you shooting awesome. and, and the so, sound. Yeah. So thwap. No, that's really cool. So, <laughs> um, I hear I hear you scream. And the other thing I heard you scream was like I had ditched my pack about thirty yards back. Yeah. Because I'm like this thing's cumbersome and like it, I'm not worried about it right now. But you had told me like don't ditch. Hey, your listen, pack. don't ditch your pack because you end up in a wild goose chase and you're four miles from your stuff. I've and I've had that happen like elk yeah. hunting. I remember I've you made doing that, that mistake, hell, yeah. bro. I've made that. I made that mistake on adventure races. I made that yeah. mistake elk hunting. Like so, we, I, we never have the same. We have the same rule in search and rescue stuff: is you don't put your back. There. You don't put. So your I back laid. There. I laid yeah. him down, and I mean, I'm, I'm thinking I'm just gonna go look at him real quick, and I hear like I take five steps. Jay's like, pick your back up. <laughs> yeah, like, because I mean, even even then, it's a good. It's a good policy, right? Because I mean, who knows? We might walk. There's a bull right there. Now we're in a wild goose chase, and my my stuff's. You know, I was specifically thinking like that ammo and stuff, and like, hey, you might need that ammo and that or your pistol for for yeah after your caribou was down for something yeah for, right. the, for the bear running up on one. well because we, we we had planned on you know once we make a gut pile now we have to, to to gut it and defend our gut pile from probably bears wolves whatever else so which a video of that was posted today of, i'm pretty sure yeah. the guys that came and replaced our group yeah they one of them shot caribou and they literally this. have video i saw this yeah. and it actually it 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 met with their kill before they <laughs> before met they it. got to see it anything. So wow. we were on high alert. And the so, rules uh, there are now that's you've burned your tag, and that's the bear. And caribou. now that's the bear's caribou. Yeah, I don't yeah. like those rules, but yeah, 
Anyway, fortunately, we didn't run into that conundrum because I don't know how we would handle that very well. That would legally that would hurt yeah. my feelings and by the rules. I'm yeah, sure. absolutely. We would have, we would have followed the law to a T. But anyways, um, we would have complained about it. Correct. We picked up our packs, and I picked up my pack. Went to went to see it. I mean, I'm feeling all kinds of all kinds of a certain way at this point. You know, I mean, I've like. I think I, I killed one white-tailed deer in Jason's backyard like eight years ago with a bow. With a bow. Back whenever we were like on that uh, on that Joe Rogan stuff, Jason just took it to the next level for years and years to come, and I was like, okay, that, that's awesome. <laughs> Actually, but, I think you missed out like on all of the all of the trial and error and the misses of not getting anything. So you jumped right back in at the right part to actually get some. I, I, I don't know that I've yeah. killed anything since that, uh, since that deer so you we're shot both on the same ago. dry yeah, spell. Right. And that's I, just, right. I didn't have to spend any you money didn't have to spend the money or the time or, or well, you know, you, you, you told me to come out that it was a, it was going to be a good chance and a good shot. And, uh, and actually funny enough, my like talking about managing our expectations and I'll, I'll shut up. But basically what I ended up doing when I went out, I was thinking, Hey, if I get something great, if I don't get something, I'm not going to be like devastated. You know, I haven't been looking forward to this for a year and a half. I'm, I have no preconceived anything about what I should see or do. Like, I'm just gonna be happy to be in Alaska hanging out with some paying out with my boys. And like, that's that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but anyways, walk up to the kill. I'm like, this is insane. Like I just like shot a horse, you know, like, <laughs> it was a horse. Like It was big. It and, was big. You know, it's like Santa's reindeer there with the big velvet, velvet fuzzy antlers and like the red nose and all that. And I'm yeah. like, dude, this is crazy. Like I'm in Alaska and I just like down to caribou. Yeah. And, uh, I think Josh got on film was like, you know, what, what are your thoughts? You know, what, how you feeling? You know, it's probably, I've seen videos guys like, how you feeling? And sometimes people are like super, like they're shaking. They got the, they got the smile. They got the, like, you know, they're hugging and slapping hands, but like, I felt pretty like just super, I felt real. Yeah, there you go. Jason, uh, Jason's pulled up a video. He, he gave me a beer and you can tell how, how much I drink beer because it's in my mouth. I don't want to spit it out. But uh, like, oh yeah, I took one good. drink and he took the rest. But hey, I, t- I, I did take a swig of beer. I carried um, that with me all day because I knew you were going to get one. There was going yeah. to be a celebration beer. So That's that, right. That yeah, happened, I, but, as I was recording that, Christian, I think the thing that came into my mind as I was filming you it just seemed like you had a sense of respect. Like that's the total that's, respect. That's the word for, that I, for where I, I was on what, what you were doing. getting from the animal. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because like, I, I do think life is sacred and I do think that it's, uh, it's important not to disrespect. I'm going into that thing's home. You know, I don't belong there and, um, go home. Yeah. Go home. And that's what I wanted to do by the end and all of us. But, but, but really, I mean, those are beautiful beautiful animals and they're out there living years and years and years. And, you know, we're going out there and, and we're, we're paying good money. We're, we're doing everything the right way legally. And it's just really cool to be able to, and then get it back and eat it and everything yeah. else. And like, that's, that's what eat it's it all out about. there. I mean, we ate it. And we, we ate it while we were out there. Mine was the first day. So Golly. we ended up it sit on the ground mm-hmm. longer than the rest. The first bit we cooked, we, we didn't probably process as well as we should have just cause I think it was starting to rain and stuff. But the second and third that we did, it was like, it was amazing. I mean, that when we really cut down yeah. those tenderloins and, and you cut them a little thinner, thinner, they were very good. And, oh man, it was great. Is amazing, but yeah, it just it, after the like immediately after it just felt it felt really good. Well, it's it's probably goofy for me to speak on your hunt and stuff, but I gotta say this: like it ended, like where where yours fell was fifteen hundred yards for the camp. It was a very camp, good maybe. situation. It was an excellent situation. You actually loaded. 90% of my caribou. Yeah, back. I was shuttling while you guys were kind of. I think I only carried the cape and the and the head and the antlers yeah. back. 
Josh and, was going through the the butchering process with me because I'd never done it. But still, like, even though I'm glad, like, we'll hear about ours, I guess, here in just a bit. But like, yours wasn't probably like as much work, like as hard. But I feel like your hunt, like the technical parts of your hunt, were way more yeah. difficult than mine. And yeah. so I don't know. I just I, felt, I watched your whole hunt from from the sky, and you'll, I'll let you talk about yours. <laughs> so I would say that everyone's was different. Yeah, say, it was because we had some highs that day. We had a little but bit. Dude, of Dude, you like you know? had to actually like go pursue that thing. It knew you were you were there at one point. You had to run up that hill. I don't. I I just I feel like. So a lot of your reverence and stuff for, for the animal too, but like was there for the work and the experience and like, yeah. the, to, like that, that piece of it, I felt like you really got to kind of capitalize on like, oh, it, yeah. it doesn't yeah. get like much better than that. You know, I was feeling, that was exactly what I was feeling. Yeah. I was like, Hey, all mm-hmm. this sitting on the range and doing stuff and little things and learn how to shoot. It makes sense when you're out there because if you can't shoot a gun or you don't know, right. I mean, I could have been everything right, been the right mindset, but if I didn't understand some basic shooting fundamentals, I would have just potentially, you know, not always, but potentially just that. could have been, yeah. could have been a fart to the wind. And hey, you probably would have smoked it with a scar anyway. I don't, so. I don't know. Yeah, very, I very well. I was trying to position myself he just was in not case. Leaving but, that valley. Yeah, you know, unless he just jumped off the cliff. But like you've been shooting for a very long time, and out of our little friend group, you're you're pretty much at the top of the heap. I put you and Chip right there together, but um. I, like all that work and stuff yeah. that you did over you, like I don't think I would, I wouldn't have felt as confident in that seated position making that shot. Yeah, and, and when I, I saw you, I yeah. saw you drop down, and I was like, oh yeah, we're we're good here. Yeah. This is going to be good. And, and to come find out, you had hit it more than the yeah. last shot. So, so so yeah, Josh, he tells me right when I get up, to he's like, hey, do you want to hear? You want to hear what else? And and apparently, I mean, there was at least you hit it three times. Yeah, they're tough animals. Yeah. So, you know, shout out to the uh, 6.5. It did what it was supposed to do when it, when it hits where, it, where it's supposed to. But I might hit him in a fatty part of his body or something the one time. But um, one of them actually was a high shot, and it was it actually clipped his antler, I believe, right? Yeah. 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 And so And, and I'm going to hopefully, when, I Save get, that. when it gets taxidermy, I want to leave that. Leave it's that. part yeah. of the story. That is you know, part of the story. That was one of the 500-yard shots. But, um, but I think it was super cool that, like, Four weeks ago, I guess now, five weeks ago, six weeks ago, you had no intention of being Alaska. And here you were, oh, there yeah, you were yeah. up on that hill, 150 miles away from the nearest town, nobody around. And all the stresses and worries Dead about silence. going out there immediately gone over when you're there and then doing it. And you're like, there's no, there's nothing better than yeah. this. And it's so like one of the comments I've made this week, uh, to, well, it was the last weekend, my, my dad, um, He's like, oh, how did it feel? And blah, blah, blah. I said, I'm going to tell you what. Like, I've been back for a week. And all of this, like all of this, like work and business and like all these things that I'm doing from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., five days a week. And like, this doesn't feel real. Like after having done that, same, that same. felt real. Like as real as it gets. It felt like real life, even though living and camping out of a tent and stuff, that's not, that's still not really real, but relative to modern day society and corporate life and all these things that we all do with our jobs. It was from, simple. Bro. You had a job to do. I, I yeah. feel like this is not real. Like, it's like, I'm, this is almost like some weird dream I'm in. And that was reality. You know, it's right. very odd, odd thing. So where, where my hunt ended, yours began. Yeah. Basically. 
yeah, so we get back that night. We eat good food. Yeah. Everybody's excited. High spirits. Josh brought a bottle of E.H. Um, e. Taylor and something else. That's that's some fancy yeah. pants. It's not scotch. Bourbon. Not your no, favorite. No. It's the real stuff. I'm not, stuff I'm we not do either. in Kentucky. But we broke that. We broke that stuff out and had some of that. I'm not going to speak to how or where that was stored while we were at the hotel because <laughs> it wasn't at the hotel. What definitely didn't happen. It, it was definitely not at the hotel. Left it at the airplane hangar. But uh, yeah. But uh, um, so that we celebrate all that kind of stuff. Next morning, wake up. We put in some miles. I think that day, I want to say, I've got it recorded on X, but I want to say we were seven, eight miles that day. But but we started off the day, this was redemption day, right? The plan was redemption for, for Jason. For me, yeah. I was, I was slotted to like shoot second. Are you one of the 14 loyal listeners to the SEU Rat Pack podcast? If so, first, let me thank you. Second, let me ask, let me ask you a favor. We could use the help and a little bit of push from our loyal listeners. If you could leave us a review and a rating on your podcast directory of choice. And then when we put out new episodes that you like, that you think other people might be interested in, please give those episodes a share because we are shadow banned and choked down on social media and having a hard time getting the word out. So a little bit of push from our loyal listeners would be greatly appreciated. Now, back to the show. <laughs> 